Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit strongest men in the world today and god damn it nick and i have bobby thompson bobby he just pulled i want what was it 986 at at, at arnold strongman and you can't get any smoother any smoother than that pull that day because god fucking damn it looked just phenomenal I'm glad it looked that way. Uh, I wasn't wasn't in my best condition that day. Didn't feel that way necessarily, but um, I got lucky on that one. I had I had told myself I was like okay, and I was like I'm willing to put forth this much effort for this event because I know what's coming. And but what I didn't tell myself is that when that effort point got there, I was going to hitch. I was like I knew because it would have been I could have continued through that without hitching it, but. It just it would have been too much effort. It would have been too much work. So there was more time attached to the bar, but I was utilizing leverages and a ramp. So overall, it was less injury potential. Yeah, that's that's smart. It's straw man, so that you you can. I, I thought it was. As long as it, apparently, as long as it else, up, not many people agreed with me. That's exactly right, especially with that bar. Um, you weren't the only one who hitched. <laughs> Last time I checked, Kearney kind of I was super hitched. So I wasn't, but I'm the guy that won, and it was it was yeah. I was the guy that won though, and I was the first one that did it, or the first th- first time I did it for me. So uh, I think it was more just the shock and fa- the shock factor that I did it that kind of drove some people a little sideways. But it, it, it was it was an event when I needed it. So, dude, I'm never shocked watching you lift stuff because you're so freaking good, you're so strong, dude. When you come in on the money, you're you're one of the best on the planet. You're gonna be hard to beat. I mean, and and then you look like my my favorite character from Lord of the Rings. So I mean, what what more could I complain about? <laughs> well, Nick, Nick, I said a whole lot of nice leader. things about you to your wife. I think I need to give her a call and tell her what I really think about you at this point. <laughs> I said some very nice things to you. A very nice things about you to Callie of Shaw Classic. Made sure she know, knew what what her husband had done. A series of younger athletes. Yeah. Now I think we're just Callie and I are gonna have to rehash this. Dude, it was absolutely amazing to watch you pull that. It really was. And you know, after watching that log record that you set and being right there and watching it and going through all that, um 
some of these massive lifts, I almost expect them out of you because you're that good. And I'm more in shock when something's not quite right because you are abs- – it's, it's fun to watch that absolute brute raw power that you have. A lot of people don't have it. And then you have an innate ability to push past what is – where people would shut down. You can push you, you can push yourself literally through the breaking point and 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 break. And most people can't do that. I had a uh, I had an old football coach. And I didn't take too much of my life experiences from football and apply them to strongman. Like football is great for me, but really wasn't life altering. But I had an old football coach and he said, My red light is your excuse me, my green light is your red light. Mm-hmm. So when you start hitting that stop, that's when I really get cooking. That's when I know something cool is about to happen. So it's oh, just yeah. it's just something that's stuck with me. I'm wired that way. Uh, and yeah. when things it get is. bad, and when things get bad, that's when it's going to get interesting. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you're not willing to redline or find out where your red light is, all you have to do is take one little toe drag past that line or that red light. That's it. That's all you got to do. You just got to drag your toe just past that line and then stop. And now your red line's a little bit further. And if you do that, if you do that on a regular basis, you're going to be a tough son of a bitch to beat. They may be stronger than you, but they're not going to beat you. And there there is a difference. Yeah. The the guys that are willing to take it consistently into that zone and function well, I mean, it's like being comfortable with being completely and utterly uncomfortable. And there's exactly. not a lot of there's not a lot of people that can function that way. And I mean, you see a lot of the Navy SEALs and the training and stuff that they go through. And that's the type of it's it's actually kind of similar to what it's like to be a world class strongman. Because uh, what do you do that's comfortable? Which so it's odd. It's odd. You, it, I, that's a dangerous comparison, but it's odd that you say that. My uh, my father was one of the first graduating classes of reconnaissance for U.S. Marine Corps. Um, nice. So he, he yeah. So I, I grew up with a father who had a very high speed job, similar, different, different skill set, but similar concept, different branch. Um, so not, I I haven't really thought about that, but I could venture to look back and say I could dig up more than one example of my father kind of planning in that me unintentionally as a young, as a young child. Sure. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. it would definitely you know, reflect it because man, like I said, so, it just in some of the, it's stone offs in just logs it deadlifts in, in, in shit. What, what, uh, last year when he had the uh, stone to shoulder. Yeah. I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> that was, I mean, I'd take that over now. So, yeah, and the, and the great part is, is you picked that up right away. I mean, a so lot of people have I had, to play with that thing for a long time. So you had, we had a 30-second window. If you didn't lap it in 30 seconds, you did not get to continue. Your time was up. So if you watch the video that I've got on my Instagram, you can see the, the, the I didn't see the timer. I didn't know where I was. But I had like three seconds left to get it lapped and then I got it lapped and I had no idea until after the event. That's how close it got. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. I just knew I'm going to go to the whistleblowers. Like, and I'd ask my, I call him my coach. He was there with me. He's the guy that got me into strongman. Um, he's not really my coach at this point, more of a mentor, kind of a, kind of an older brother. Um, 
and we were talking strategy and we're sitting there and my doctor was with me. He's one of my best friends as well. And we're all talking strategy and like, man, like, I don't know. And my coach just shook his head. He's like, fuck it. He's like, you just got to go gorilla fuck that thing. He's like, you're not, you're not good enough at this to develop any kind of plan or skill last minute. He's like, we're not, we are at a disadvantage here. So we have to go and play on what we have. And that is just you being you. So that was, that was our strategy. So I've played with that stuff. But it's, it's nice to have somebody who can say that. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. I knew a few of you guys have touched it. So back in 2009. Yeah, apparently there's a specific way. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. like before the Fed Expo in 2009, got to go down to Oates' house. And it was like Brian and I played with that day along with Martins. And this is, when Martins, this is back in 2019 when Martins is like 240, 250. And he was able to lift that lift that stone back then. Yep. And he was like, "Here, just put your hands here and grab Jesus. it here." And we had to roll it right into the right position. But every time we did, once once we got into that position, it came right into the lap. So Brian and I were the only two at the Fit Expo I, that year. It was the last stone. So we did five Atlas stones and then had to go do that one as the bonus yeah. stone. And Brian and I were the only two to load it. Wow. Travis Ortmeyer didn't even load it that day. No, I couldn't imagine loading that thing at the end of, of a of a medley or even if you told me there were three stones prior, like yeah, I couldn't imagine so, doing that. And we had to run the first Jesus. three stones in. <laughs> it was just brutal. <laughs> it was it was a brutal event, but whose idea that, was this? Oh, that was that that you said that was LA Phoenix Bone. Yeah, so that was yeah. Ode's idea. That that makes sense. <laughs> I've heard about. I, I never, never did the Olympic Expo. I, I don't think it was a thing when I came around. But I've heard about that was the show for a while. That was the entry show. It to get into the Arnold, there was usually one or two places, and you would do that contest in January, and then um, about five weeks later, you had the Arnold. So, and it turned that at the time you had every unbelievably good American, and then a lot of the really, really good international guys like Hollins would come down, uh, Shapansky, yeah. Felix. I mean, all those guys back then, Oslin was there, would come do that show. Shaw, I mean, Shaw won it in 2009. I won it in 2010. Um, it, it, it was just, I got second in 2010 and second in 2011. I was a junior in high school in 2010. <laughs> oh, Cheer me up some more. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, graduated, I graduated in 2011. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, <laughs> man. Talk about putting me in my place. Yeah. Oh, that was completely <laughs> aimed at Nick. You're just collateral damage. I know. Oh, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That you was, that was completely <laughs> aimed at him. That was, oh, God. Ooh, it's, it's really yeah. fun to sit back and because I remember watching you on TV. I remember watching Brian on TV. And it's really fun to look back and get a chance to hear that story and like well yeah nick i remember being a junior in high school and watching you on tv yeah. and seeing you on youtube and you know i remember when brian came down the pipe and then being present and being here it's it's, it's been a really neat way to kind of come full circle yeah it, it was the, the neatest thing for me i think in 2020 was getting to do the contest with you you know that do you get to yeah. the strongest man with you that was that was so much fun it, it really that was, was. That was that was kind of a screwed year. That that was, but that was. I think that's what made it what it was. 
Yeah, I think it was the fact that it was it, everything went awry. It wasn't going to plan. I really do think that was. <laughs> yeah, right. That was great. And do you know what? It never fails. Rain, shine, a hurricane. If you're a world's strongest man, there's at least three fat guys at a time in the pool. <laughs> it never fails. You have to be there to, to witness this. But we're like hippos or water buffaloes. We always all gravitate. And there's, it's not like there's a text that goes out. Everybody just goes to the pool. (laughs) Some guys get in, some guys don't. But everybody's at the pool. (laughs) This this is true. (laughs) Tell me, yeah. Like, I I guess, I mean, did you guys have a pool in Zambia? So maybe it didn't happen that year just for Uh, not dying purposes. Uh, We had them in uh, both, all three of the times I went to Africa, we had a pool. So, and it was like that. Uh, Actually, in 2017, we had just finished the plane pole and everybody went in to eat. And then I went out to the pool because I had torn my calf in the final, the first event of the final. And so I basically did the airplane pole with one leg. Yeah. And both my legs were super pumped. And I went into the pool first because it was cold to get the pump out of my legs so I could like move around a little better and get ready for the, the deadlift in the last three events. And, uh, Guess who was in the pool with me? Eddie Hall. <laughs> so Eddie went in that cold pool for 20 or 30 minutes instead of eating to get all the blood out of his legs and to get ready. And that's when he was talking about, I just need to win the deadlift and, and, and like get after these stones and be top four in the stones and I'll win this and I'm retiring. That's it. I'm just like, all right, Eddie, let's go. So, so that's, you know, and those are the conversations that you don't hear about. Like that's, that's yeah. the stuff that we only see. And it's, it's really, it's really unique when those moments happen and there's yeah. nobody around. It's just you two. Yeah. Like it's, that's, those are, I gotta say, that's probably my favorite part of any contest I've ever done. It's just those individualized moments. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a thing that people don't get. At all. There's so many of them. But uh, mm-hmm. but let's get let's get back to the Arnold and get back to you because like yeah. we just ramble in every direction. Sweet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the second year in a row you've gotten third. It is so, which is pretty amazing because the the difference in the events between this year and last year are are it was pretty substantial. I mean, mm-hmm. you had basically what two events that were the same, three events that were the same, and the other two were completely different this year. Exactly. How'd you, uh, how did how does it feel? How'd you feel after that first day? W- walk me through the the uh, wheel of pain. Which um, well, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we knew, like my my team, we knew the wheel of pain was going to be a problem. Um, we had thought we were going to have a better showing than what we did, but just because I have the screws in my feet, I can't pivot up on the balls of my feet. So anytime I drive, you'll see my heels drop exponentially. And that's literally four, you know, four is pushing out your heel instead right. of down into the balls of your feet. So I'm, I'm always going to be limited to events like that. We thought I was going to go a little bit further. Um, I had mm-hmm. I had gotten sick when I got there. My electrolytes were pretty off balance. I was pretty light. So when that ended, I was like, shit, okay, that happened. I went backstage. I laid down. And this was the part that made me the angriest. But it also kind of, it made me really happy. It was really weird. I laid, mm-hmm. I laid down for like five minutes. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I popped back up and I was ready to go again. 
Yeah, I, I had recovered that fast. I was like, oh shit. And I'm like, well, okay, like I still, I, I still don't feel great. Shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out of nowhere. Uh, it surprised me how quickly I got to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming into the log, I, I was confident. Um, I'm going to say, I don't think I got judged on a fair standard compared to other athletes, which I'm not, which all in all didn't, it didn't affect my placing because Hooper legitimately got his reps in my opinion. Sure. Trey Mitchell, mm-hmm. unquestionable, four reps, unquestionable. Yeah. All of those reps yeah. are solid. So yeah. having come coming in joint second with those two guys, it was really my ego was more bruised because I wanted my name on that list of guys that had done that with that log. Um, right. And then we look at how the scoring panned out through the rest of the contest, me taking joint first on that event, it would have made my points look better, but it wouldn't have jumped. I wouldn't have made any more money. I would have got up a place. So right. even in the moments where questionable things happened, it, it didn't cost me anything. So I can only be so upset at that. Yeah, no, but you still, I mean, at the end of the first day, you're not sitting in a bad place. You're kind of with, with really good events with, you know, with the deadlift to come. I mean, so I, Nick, I knew it was going to be a good event for you. Did, I don't, did everybody else, was, were they aware of this? <laughs> no, you and Laws both knew. My team knew. If I came in on day two, ready to play, it was, it was, it was going to be a good day. And it's like people forgot. I went from sixth place on day two to podium last year too. Yeah, but how do we forget with Instagram? Yeah, I with don't know. Because you were pulling some of the deadlifts I watched you pulled in training. I was like, oh, sh- they better watch out. He's going to kill this. <laughs> Man, like it, it's it's myself and Victoria Long. People just, or excuse me, the public just doesn't really talk about us. You know, we're not a uh, we're not loud. We're we if we have opinions, we'll share them. But sure. I'm going to walk out there. I'm not going to talk too much smack. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to smile at you. And I'm going to walk away. I was like, I have, I came here to do this. I've done it. I was like, let's not shit. Let's not do a social media thing. Like show up on game day and beat me. Like show him. Yeah. Unfortunately, that character doesn't sell too well into the public eye. Yeah. Well, so I think that's why I get looked at a lot. Yeah, it could be, but I don't know because up till recently, Sadrinus's online profile wasn't, you know, all that great. And I mean, he's he's gone leaps and bounds with social media in the probably the last three four years. Mm-hmm. But when say, he yeah. was at when he was at that height, at least mm-hmm. you know, and yes. It, when you get into conversations with that guy, he is one of the smartest guys you're going to run into. I mean, very much so. He's a, he's a politician in Lithuania. He's very articulate. He's very smart, and I yes, it, it's it's amazing that people don't see him in that light as well. But it's a lot of fun. I experienced that in Bahrain with him. He'll talk to you about anything other than strongman, and that's fine. Oh, I yeah. didn't want to talk to Big Z about strongman. I probably know his strongman career better than he does. I was a big Z fan back in the day. That was my dude. Oh. And so I knew a lot about him. So when I spoke to him, I asked him questions that were outside of the sport. And that's when right. in Bahrain, like that man, once he started talking, it was great because I was just absorbing. But oh, once yeah. you hold the fuse, I'll, I'll tell you, he'll tell you anything you want to know. Oh, no, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great guy. So 
it, it's going to be interesting over the next year, two years, especially the way you keep improving and things going on. Now, my understanding was is you weren't feeling good going into this either, were you? Did you? Um, so actually, I was feeling pretty damn good until I landed in Columbus Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, no, it was like training had gone well. I'd gotten a little beat up at the end, made a call to law, said, hey, man, things are hurting pretty bad. We're close. And he said, hey, cut the prep. He's like, do you want advice on the deload or can you move on your own? I was like, I can move on my own. I'll be good to go. Showed up, uh, got off the plane, got to my hotel. They got me in a room really quick. I was like, oh, that's nice. So everything nice. was going perfectly. And then I go to get breakfast. Uh, went to get breakfast, ate it, and then threw up about half of it. And that was Wednesday. Uh, through Wednesday. Yeah, through Wednesday, I managed to get down two Snickers bars and a little over half a cheeseburger. Mm. Woke up the next morning. I was like, and I was only vomiting when I consumed food. Like, it wasn't like uh, this was just spewing. It was really only when I put food down. Yeah, that, that stomach crap. virus. I don't know. Um, so I woke up Thursday, uh, went, ate, not a lot, but ate. I was like, okay, it's, it's bad. We're getting there. And then I went right. to the fitness center and got on the scale. And Thursday, I was 325 pounds. And that was in shorts I had just gotten out of the pool with, had sandals on. Wow. And I was like, well, my plan was to show up here at 340. That was my plan. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and then I, I ate up throughout the day, did the best I could. Probably so put on about five, trying, four or five pounds. So you weren't trying to make the night stage because you weren't trying to make the night stage because I saw some pictures you posted and your abs were just like dialed in, including the tie ins, you know, all the way up to the serratus. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> you could have you could have got no, up there in the bottom man, like, I, at that point. I I've I I had a couple days where I woke up and I was like, I might could do a different sport, and make a whole lot more money. Like, <laughs> I might be able Andy to. Hall's doing it right now. Like, he I enjoyed him. <laughs> yeah, I might be able to do this. Uh, no, but it's yeah. So I definitely didn't mean to come in looking that way. And right, when I woke right. up and was you know when I went down to the fitness center it was like three twenty five. Um, I, I looked in the mirror walking out of the room and I was like, oh, that looks real good. Shit. That was, was literally the thought process. I was like, oh. And then I managed to eat myself. I managed to gain probably about four or five pounds that day. I was sucking down Gatorade left and right. I probably drank a case of Gatorade that day. Um, and then went into day one. Electrolytes were still off. Wasn't fantastic. And then day two. <laughs> day two we completely fueled with a liquid diet wow uh we, yeah we completely fueled day two with liquid carbohydrates liquid glycogen just shake four ounces at a time chug it put it away and that's what we did the entire day too so it's well i, I no, the weight loss i don't though. i don't know if it affected me. it did day two, yeah day two, day two, day two you came in firing all cylinders so maybe maybe that's something to do it, it is something that – so my uh, my recovery guy who also does my nutrition work, um, he's mm -hmm. relatively close with Nathan Payton. So he and Nathan mm -hmm. are already spitballing like, okay, what's our – because eating for me on contest day is nearly impossible anyways. Even if, like, right. even if I'm healthy, don't have any gut issues, solid food on contest days, I just don't get hungry. I don't want to eat. Um, yeah. yeah so that we had always kind of leaned to the liquid, but we – right? Yeah, so Some guys are starving. I can't do it. Right, right. So, yeah. so walk me through the crazy stuff. Uh, no complaints. So Sorry. that was apparently everybody just thought I was going to shit the bed on that one too. Um, Laws had me throwing twice a week with a couple different implements. 
and Ho- I'm not, and Hooper and I actually, we, we talk weekly. Um, and that was an event he and I were kind of paying ideas off each other. Never, never deep enough to give the other one a chance, but I also knew that in this event, Hooper was going to have the advantage because the science behind it is the faster your legs move, the further the going to go as long as you go in time. So yeah. Hooper's faster than I am. So he and I both already knew I was, I probably wasn't going to beat him on that event. Um, but we, we kind of pinged ideas off each other. Laws was a great, great help. And I was aiming for, I was aiming for about 10 and a half feet. If I had to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I had thrown a hundred pound D ball, 20 feet. I had thrown a one fifty for a couple 15 foot throws. Um, but just sure. that, that stone was just a little bit different. That's all it was. Um, it was funny because Hooper and I were initially the only guys backstage who were throwing it the way we were. Um, and he and I had a little variation, but not much. We were basically throwing it the same. We're the only guys back there warming up that way with the exception of Kieliskowski and, and Stoltman who had just decided to go overhead with it. And then about right. 10 minutes into the throws, everybody started switching around to what Hooper and I were doing with the exception of like Stoltman <laughs> and Kieliskowski. It took about right. 10 minutes for everybody to go, Oh shit. Like this isn't going to work. Um, so that was, I didn't like it because it's just not fun to train, but I did like it because it's a low mileage event at a heavy contest and like it or not, that was a rest period is what that was. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't know. Yeah. Which I didn't like it from a, from a kind of a fan's point of view, because I didn't feel cool doing it, which means I know I didn't look cool doing it. Yeah. Um, Not a, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a deadlift. So it's like. It's like, I don't know if I look stupid doing this, but I got to do it anyways. Well, and that was the thing. Like, I didn't care if I look stupid doing it just because, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm playing for a five figure paycheck. I got a kid. I got bills to pay. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. care if I look stupid doing it. I'm not going to jail for doing it. So it doesn't matter. Um, but I also really appreciated how behind it the fans got because I, mm-hmm. they knew that we weren't necessarily super excited about it either. Um, right. So I really think them choosing to kind of meet us halfway gave us a little bit extra push and a little bit of help. That's good. Yeah. Well, because traditionally that's kind of – that's almost like a Highlands Games extra event. Is um, it? I think it was its own thing. It, it is, but like in Portland, God, back in the 90s. Hold on. Which which 90, Nick? Which 90? <clears throat> I, I want to say probably 94, 95. Somewhere I was in two there. Or three. Uh, yeah, I was two or three. <laughs> so I, I did the Highland Games, and uh, I, it was only like my second or third one, but I qualified to go to Portland to do the national championships. And I, I there was an event there called the Idiot Stone, and it was like a 110 pound stone that you had to pick up over your head, run, and throw it. And it was it's basically the exact same thing that you guys were doing, except for we Small were doing a new name. Yes. Yeah. Small, yes. And the funny thing is the world record for that event, I think is like 14 or 15 feet. Yeah. And I mean, I'm strong, but I, uh, that's, that's, that's it. I'm impressed by that now. Cause I also know how strong Kiel's gospel is. <laughs> so right. to see him not throw that 14 feet, I'm like, Oh, okay. This guy may have actually done something. Um, yeah, it, so it, it's also it gave me a new respect for that. Yeah, it's it's almost like as you run up, you got to bend your knees more on, on the on the approach, and, and as you come up and you're going, 
it's almost a jump far before it. So you let it go before, but you come with the speed and then you jump, which gives it the trajectory. It gives it the height. And you so, just yes. load into it. Then you land and stop before you land into the pit. That's exactly – that's actually kind of exactly what Hooper and I had looked at. Now, we couldn't mm-hmm. – I, I don't want to say we couldn't agree on the jump. I was limited to the jump style because of the screws in my feet. Hooper wasn't. The intelligent way to do this is to run, 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 plant your front foot, and mm-hmm. then drive off that front foot and then fall short and drop your hips. So what that does is essentially is plant the front foot, launch with that front leg. So it's one leg, not two, but it's momentum-based. And then right. dropping your hips to keep you from falling into the pit. Sure, uh, that's I think that's relatively close to what Thomas Evans did as well. And he, yeah, he just got. I think he just got nervous. Yeah. So I think but, that's what that. Was. Yeah, that, that DQ throw was like, wow. Oh, <laughs> he nailed that God. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like, did he really do that? <laughs> well, goes, no. it's funny. It's funny because you look at him and it's like, okay, new guy coming up. And usually, not there aren't too many Arnold Amman champions that are going to take fifth place. I think he's actually only the second one to do it, um, to come in the top five his first year up. Oh, no, excuse me, fourth. Novikov, Kieliskowski, and then I think Jenkins did it. Jenkins, yeah. I think I think Jenkins and did it, so Hop he would Thor. be the fourth. Hop Thor, yeah. Hop Thor, Hop Thor too. I, think, I, I think don't think Hop he did Thor. well his first year. Did he, he do well his first year? I think he did pretty well. I just – Okay. Don't think he made the top three, but I think he did pretty good. Exactly. I can't, I, I can't remember. I remember the first year he was there, though. I was like, but even even if they're uh, even, well, hell, that actually that makes it more interesting because while we've added names to that list, making it less impressive, we look at the names that just so got added impressive. to that list. Yeah, look who we <laughs> look at the people on that list right now. Um, yeah. It was funny though. I laughed. I was like, I don't know. They never tried to set a newbie up to win. He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, you played guard for the Packers and threw in college. Like, wheel of pain and the unspun throw. If you can deadlift the ochre and log press kind of okay, you're going to do well today. (laughs) So, it was good to see him pop up. I really want that ramp to die, though. I want Steve later to set that ramp on fire. Why? I really do. It's a beautiful (laughs) piece of equipment. Nick, I don't know what I have. I have cared... Man, oh yeah, that was yeah. I've, pre- I've seen those videos too. Now, back when they let you wear straps, it was over a thousand pounds, and it's like a four foot. There's no who thought that through. Like that was so no, that damn ramp. It, uh, that's I mean it. I've got it. it annoys me because I've got a decent grip. I I carried I carried frame weight to a little over halfway up that ramp in training, no drops with no knurling on the handles. I, I've run 860 for 50 feet. Like, there's plenty of things to suggest I should do that well, and it's just I can't tie it together for whatever reason. Mm. It excites me. It's an event I enjoy because I know it's a challenge, but I just can't tie it together. Where do you train it at? I haven't done it yet, at least. Yeah. Where do you train? Where do I train it at? So I have. To, I'm training. I had to train it on flat ground, unfortunately. Um, I really didn't have enough the, the the time to orchestrate getting all the the frame itself three or four guys, a truck, and to get to a hill, I just couldn't tie it together with, with my schedule and who my team is. Yeah. So it's, it's – Grocery store. It, Bobby, grocery store. Yeah, the loading docks. The loading docks. The only issue – the only thing we haven't figured out yet, and we think we have, is how we're going to get the ramp back or the frame back up the ramp without taking all the plates off. <laughs> or 
back down the ramp. Excuse me. Yeah. So there was there was talk about getting a winch, like one of the guys got a jeep, and we'll get like some spacers and or some like moving sliders, pick it up, put on those, and somebody will lower it down with the winch. But or get those moving so dollies. Yeah, the problem yeah. is it's four kilos. Yeah, yeah but you one like, on each corner. You know what I'm saying? And you're not, and you know, four, four guys uh, holding it. Yeah, you you would still need the hint. You would still want a winch because if that thing got away, it's it ain't stopping. It's yeah, not. that's very it's, true. Um, yeah, yeah. But the Arnold, I think, where the Arnold was cool this year. If you look at the guys that were there, how well mm-hmm. some guys did. Um, I think we're about another two years away from seeing the Dream Team Arnold, which was. Last one we had was the year Jenkins one when everybody was there. There wasn't any question. There wasn't any what ifs. So I think we're about two years away from a dream team, Arnold. That's so. cool. Yeah, because Novikov will be back next year. Martins will be back next year. Hopthor said he's going to be back next year. Um, and his training, he's he's on a mission. He he he's he and I putting in the work. Texas. Huh? Yeah, he and I talked in tech. He and I talked in Texas about that, and I asked him frankly. I was like, "Is this a like? What are you doing, man? Like, are we just trying to draw up the crowd, or like, are you actually?" He's like, "I don't want to be a pig," is what he kept saying. I don't want to come back, and I don't want to be a pig. And I'm like, "Okay, well then, don't come back a pig." The sports not headed that direction, anyways. Like, I also think he could come back. So he was at a point. It seemed like he was coming in at a point when everybody just wanted to be massive. Like Brian was at his heaviest, Eddie was at his heaviest, Thor was at his heaviest, Sherry was at his heaviest. Like you just, yeah, the sport. Everybody just wanted to be massive, which I get it. I there were enjoyable parts about being three hundred and sixty-five pounds when I was, but the sport isn't going to be available to that partially because the the weights were being asked to lift, the volume required in training to get there. You can't be fat, you can't do it, or you be able to do the training to get to this new level that the crowd's screaming for. Yeah, I'll agree. Very true. Yeah, that was, that was a big reason why I lost the weight I did. Now, so as so as a younger pro that's just stepping into these levels, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're going to adjust your training as a, an experienced athlete now to come in a, not carry extra useless weight, correct? Yes. So, yes. Now, I will say I adjust my training. I just want to uh, – Laws does all of my coaching and all of my programming. So, sure. I don't really adjust anything. But when he and I were working together, before we started, I had decided I wanted to lose the weight. Um, sure. I was having some health issues. I was showing indications of some pretty high kidney stress. I was having some lymphatic issues in my legs. Um, I had been riding 365 for about two years. I was like, okay, well – this mm-hmm. it was it was a fun two years, but we gotta we gotta figure out a new game plan because this one's not working anymore. Um, so I would already started the weight loss, and then I asked Laws if he would coach me, uh, partially because I noticed that he really didn't have any fat athletes. Even his amateurs are all in good shape, good condition. Um, sure. And which oddly enough, when Laws and I started working together, it was three days a week getting ready for America. It was three days a week getting ready for Americas and the Arnold, I believe. Um, but I had a fourth day, which was optional conditioning. And that was all mine. Like that was whatever Bobby came up with is whatever Bobby did. So that was cool being able to turn my brain off and just focus on that one day a week and just focus on training. I mean, I've been doing all of my own programs essentially for every year of strawman, except for the first six or eight months after that, it was all me and my mentor. So it was very, it was almost distracting. And then when law started giving me programs, I didn't have to think about anything. 
I just I went back to what I was always good at. And I was being an athlete. And when I started doing that, everything just opened up. Everything. Yeah, and then just showing up and hitting what you're supposed to hit and doing what yep. you're supposed to do. Yep. And then doing the things necessary to recover from them before the next workout. And, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And the best part is the workouts are simple. Like they're, they're not, they're not easy. He puts me through my paces, but it's nothing crazy. And I was, I was looking at accommodating resistance, uh, measuring bands to get percentage increases. Like, like I was, I was bands, chains, variations. I was looking at old West side method for squat volume and applying it to debt. Like it was, I was all over the place. Right. Like I was about as conjugate as conjugate could get if I wasn't at Westside Barbell. And now that I'm with laws, it's also simple and it's working and it's low stress. It's yeah. helping you so focus. I, you know what I'm saying? P- putting that pinpoint energy right to where it needs to go and not like all over the place. No, exactly. It, it, it's not rocket science. And it's amazing how many people completely and utterly overtrain and just burn the candle yeah. at both ends. <laughs> yeah. And that. That was also a situation I was running into is that I had I had so many injuries that had healed themselves and so mm-hmm. many were healed themselves. And then I had sure. done so much to my body. It was kind of like, all right, like at this point, I spend more time in so much pain I can't move or I have to stretch in my bed to get up in the morning. Oh, I'm like, okay. I, I was like doing more isn't working like we're at that point. So I have to do something else. And. Laws was kind of the first guy that's ever come into the equation that hasn't been in-house. Right. And he's, he's blended quite well. And the best part is he treats me like I'm a pro. Like he doesn't negate the fact that I've been doing this for so long that I need him up my ass 24 seven. Like he doesn't, he's not like that. He's turns me loose. He's like, Hey, you know what you have to do to go. So here's the numbers. Go get them. You know, which is what you theoretically, that's what a coach should do. The only, I mean, you send the video, you look at the technique and stuff like that. But if you don't have that inner drive to go do it yourself, you shouldn't have to need it. Somebody up your tail that you're mm-hmm. being held accountable to, because the person that you're going to be held accountable to is yourself. Exactly. Like, period. And exactly. I mean, if you don't, if you don't perform well, it's not your coach's fault. It's your fault. <laughs> exactly. And I and Walls has got a. He's got. I, he's he's done it well. He's got the group he's got. They don't pick mm-hmm. fights with him. Everybody stays on program for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 him. I'm not going to say he's the reason we're succeeding, but if you look at the three athletes that just podiumed at the Arnold, mm-hmm. like I don't think there's been one coach that has had three athletes on podiums at the Arnold before. Like he is, he's not the reason we're doing well, but I'm going to say he's a contributing factor and he's a common factor. So I think, dare I say, I think Laws is a better coach than he was strongman. Like he was good. He was really good. But I think, yeah, 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 I think he is. Cause especially if you look at the different personalities he has to work with, like it just, if you just look at his top three right now, being Andrea Hooper and myself, we are three totally different individuals and we are three individuals that have never been more in our game. Right. So he's, he's, he's a special one for the sport, but, are you going to make it to Worlds, though, Nick? You coming down to see me? I am trying to get out there. I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, which okay. was supposed to be on the 20th, which we moved mm-hmm. it forwards. So I find out I had another biopsy on the other kidney because mm-hmm. uh, I had the renal cell carcinoma 
and the, the tumor was the si- third of the size of the kidney. So they took the kidney because it was right in the middle. Yeah. They couldn't cut it in half. Yeah. So they took the, the kidney and now it's the other kidney and there's a small one in there, but it's like 19 millimeters. So it's way smaller okay. than the other one. So it depends on okay. he the last time I talked to him, the goal was to make sure it was renal cell carcinoma, which we did the biopsy. And then the next steps would be to go in and go back in and then freeze it and take it, you know, and be should be done with it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. which my training, my rehab and everything's been freaking fantastic. I, I got no complaints. Just half fill squat 700 after like <laughs> eight weeks of surgery. Yeah. Nah. So Callie had to leave the house at some point. He was going to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. That. <laughs> That's what happens. So she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she watches these yet. So we're okay. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Nick. She will. <laughs> I know. Well, sure. <laughs> Um, she's starting to get into podcasts, but, uh, oh. she, she's, she's mostly getting into like, um, she's Goggins and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but what, once we figure out what, what the next steps are and when he's going to do it, then I'll yeah. be able to kind of tell you whether or not I'm going to be able to get there. If, if the surgery ends up scheduled in that time frame, I, I gotta get the surgery. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no one expects you to do that, man. Yeah. And um, I won't be able to fly for a little while right after that because, uh, well, all the blood in blood clot, your yeah. body goes through that kidney. Yeah. So, um, yeah. the bleeding Thank risk you. and stuff like that, I got to be careful with for like a week to two weeks after that. So, it may be best for you to set this one out. Well, like I said, I, I find out tomorrow, of all things. Which is Thursday. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the day today? The today 15th, is right? the fifteenth. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I find on the I find on the sixteenth what's what, and then. Did you try? <laughs> that was my my uh, Siri tried to tell me what day it was. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, tell Siri we said thank you. Fifteenth, <laughs> Still trying. She's still telling you. She's very bossy. That's it. <laughs> But, no, uh, I'm, I'm definitely feeling feeling good for world stuff. I'm definitely feeling yeah. solid for that. Hopefully, you, hopefully yeah. you do make it out though. I my goal is to get there. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I want to come see you. I, I want to come watch a bunch of the guys, and then it's Brian's last worlds. It's Felix's yeah. last worlds. I'd, I'd really yep. like it'd be really special for me to be there. The only reason why I wouldn't be there is, you know, just I have the kidney thing, but. This time, once it's done, it's done. I'll definitely be at the Shot Classic. Yes. So, for sure. And that's Brian's last show, period. I'm so, pumped for the ball. I'm pumped for the Shot Classic. I'm so glad he made it an expo. Yeah, me too. It, that's, yeah, I'm so pumped for that. Like, the, that's going to be – I don't know how big the venue is, but I know that it's going to be interesting to see how the public responds to that show versus the Arnold. Right. Because it's, I can tell you that after Brian shows, I'm tore up from Florida for a while. Like those are hard contests. The Arnold didn't tear me up too bad this year, so I'm really intrigued to see is Brian's show now becoming the heaviest contest in the world, or am I just in better shape? So I'm kind of like, <laughs> okay, like, I, like 
I, I, I noted that. I think it's both. I think you're in really good yeah. shape. Yeah. And I think Brian's yes. coming out with probably the heaviest contest. Yeah, me. and that expo, man, I can't wait. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Like, I, I think he will fill any space that he that he basically rents out for. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he'll have a problem filling it. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be intriguing. So, I'm, I'm pumped for that. And then after the show, I – Hopefully, I get the rogue. I'm assuming there's a good chance. Uh, I do have okay. I have some unfinished business at the rogue. That uh, okay, yeah. So the rogue the rogue means a lot. So I, I don't see why I wouldn't get selected. I, I certainly just hope I do. Don't count my don't count my eggs for the hatch. Uh, well, rogue, listen up. This is what we want. <laughs> yeah. Rogue does sure. what rogue wants. <laughs> Wait, also genuine, genuinely, everyone profits when rogue does what rogue wants. But rogue does what rogue. So, um, no, it'll be it'll be happy to see. And then, you know, it's really kind of cool. The Arnold's a really important contest, and a lot of people don't realize how important it is strategically if you're a pro at this level because it's 2023. It's the first show of the year. So if yeah. you do well there, rest of your year, it may not be made or sealed, but at least your name is going to be on every single piece of paper that goes yeah. through everyone's hands when they're picking rosters. So mm-hmm. for me – a, a podium at the Arnold, it's it's a big deal because I know it's almost like a plane ticket to every other big show this year. Yeah. So to get to get that knocked out of the way, to relax a little bit, not worry about getting the invites, which yeah, is right. really for the very first time in my career is a very nice thing. Yeah. Um, hey, you, you, I just yeah. gotta show up. <laughs> yeah, like I, I know they're coming. As long as I don't do anything stupid, I should be okay. Which no. leads me to another question. Which How many contests do you think you can handle in a year and perform well at? Because I want people like the younger guys to understand how many times the elite level pros can actually go all out of the contest to perform well. So last year I did 10 contests. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I, was, I, I was on a plane, excuse me, with, with the exception of a time span between the rogue, and then the contest previous. I was on a plane every six weeks. Um, the contest, I don't remember which con. I think, oh no, it was a Shaw. I believe it was a Shaw into the rogue. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was about a twelve week span, and the only reason I had that time was because I pulled out of the Arnold UK because I had injured myself at the Shaw Classic. Sure. I was like, okay, so I'm not, I'm not going to do this, or I believe that's yeah. So it was a twelve week span. Um, so I would. It's hard to say. I'm a businessman. I don't want to say it's about money. But for to fuel my investments and the things I'm doing, there is a threshold I need to hit. Sure. So in a perfect world, if I can continue to do well, I'll do five contests, maybe. If I can continue to do well. But if I notice, okay, like we really could use a little bit extra boost in the finance department, I'll probably go try and grab another show. Um, Okay. Not to say it's not about passion anymore, but there is an element of business to the sport, especially in this day and age. We have to bear it very true. Yeah. So I would say, Nick, if I had to tell an athlete, I would say five to six. If you can do five yeah. to six good shows a year, you are in shape. You are good to go. Ten was absolutely too much, especially since one was two weeks after the Arnold Classic last year. Right, right. <laughs> was- I think the only way you're going to do more shows than probably five or six and perform at a high level is if you're using them for training days. And just don't care where you finish at them. And the 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 promoters just having you there to compete to 
to compete. And the goal Which, isn't to I, win. It's just I to go use it as a training. Right. And that's, that's yeah. Like, that's, not, I, I wish I there's could. not a whole lot of guys I that wish can. I could. No, I wish I could. I, I I can't like I'm no. So and well and if we're looking at that then what ten contests resulted in was I showed up to America's with a uh, with a grade three adductor tear for like the fourth time this year. Um, that thing just kept healing and coming off. Um, I showed up there with that, and I had zero external rotation in my right hip. I had quadricep tendonitis as well. Um, I had patella tendonitis, and I had IT band syndrome. I couldn't squat more than – if I put 500 pounds in the bar, I had a knee wrap and a triple-ply knee sleeve on that knee just to keep it from – just to keep it kind of functional. Um, sure. I couldn't sit down for more than five, six minutes at a time without my knee feeling my knee was going to explode. Like I was having to pull over if I was driving somewhere. Yeah. So 10 contests resulted in was an issue that healed up about two weeks before the Arnold Classic. So wow. it came at it came at a price. Sure. Sure. So, so I would definitely you're not human. Or excuse yeah. me, you're not. You are human. That's something I think the anger guys coming into the sport really need to learn and pick up on. Um, because I mean, like in Europe, if you're in the SCL, those contests aren't so heavy. And that's, yeah. those could be used as just really good training days, um, yes. which provides them, you know, you train one or two days during the week, go to the, go to the contest, hit the events, get your event training in, and you still place pretty well. You can still turn it on pretty well, but where you're doing an 1100 pound yoke here in the States or at some of the bigger shows, they're going to be doing a 900 pound yoke or an 800 pound yoke. It won't be as bad. And exactly. you can get you can get a lot more out of it. And that's those are training weights. So mm -hmm. you can use it that way, which is something I think Sadrunas did a lot of. Um mm -hmm. when he was hitting all those contests in a year. I think that's kind of was his like legitimate, that's part of his training method. It would be fun to pick his brain to figure out how he exactly did that because because he was doing 20, 25 contest a year in a show and it's just not feasible when you're going to giants live and the arnold and the road so, and the shop i will say it is feasible because every canadian pro is expected to do around that many contests a year in canada now if you're like maxime jf or i would imagine the god i can't remember their names they're, they're twins rayom the rayom twins gabriel rayom sure i imagine sure, sure. rayom probably isn't expected anymore to do contests that frequently because, oh, well, I'm going to Worlds. Like, he probably has to do one or two he's expected to. Right. But I had heard stories, and don't know if this is true or not, but I heard it from Canadian athletes that back in the day, if they were not competing as frequently as they were being told to, they got their pro cards taken. Jeez. Yeah, like, well, they had actually, there was a time like that. It was like that in the U.S. If you didn't do one to two pro – I think it was one, actually. But if you didn't do one to two pro shows a year – you, you could lose your pro card in the U.S. back in the day. Well, yeah, but in Canada, these guys are expected. Some of these guys yeah, are no, no, no. 30 they're, times a year, and they're expected. Yeah. One to two times, I, I'm all about that. I completely support that. Okay, sure. I think, I think if, if the pro shows are offered, it should be that way. Hmm. Like, don't take up space if you're not going to use the card. Um, but right. in the, the Canadian thing, I think it's a little bit more rough because it's, it's not one or two shows. Most of those guys are hitting double-digit shows. Right. Oh, no, for so sure. It, yeah, so it's – I think we have it – in some ways we have it easier in America, in other ways we don't. Right. 
So I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, but I definitely um, don't think. I think you're right, though. The contests were probably lighter. And that's how I managed. Sure. Sure. Okay. That that makes sense. So it's like the guys that are coming in. If you if you hit five really solid shows your first year as a pro, that's good. And if you hit the scene and everybody wants you, you still should be picking probably no more than six to seven, maybe eight at the most. So my so my advice to the first year guys is get your hands in everything. Um, mm. There's a reason why, like, my, my rookie year, I took every invite I could get. And then with that, I kind of proved that, okay, which would have been 2020, um, I proved mm. that I had some sustainability. I'm like, okay, if we call this cat and say come play, he's going to say yes and come play. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what I recommend all amateurs doing. Unless you just blast onto the scene like Hooper did, then the rule doesn't apply. But if it's sure. your first rookie as a pro, you say yes to almost everything as long as it makes sense. And even if it doesn't make sense, because if you're looking at your rookie year, it's probably you're going to make the majority of your mistakes. So if you only play those big shows, you're probably going to shit the bed at at least two or three of those big shows. I was like, but if you do that, you're not going to get invites back or you're going to get an alternate spot and you have zero game fill available for people to argue with. Like, that's why Giants Live is so important. And I don't think people realize that. It's because if you're a new cat and you don't have any game film to reach out to promoters, you have to do everything you can to get there just so you all of a sudden have a couple events on YouTube or a couple events in your phone. It's in front of a crowd. It's a major organization. Hey, it was my first time there. I got kind of nervous. I got sick. I took fifth out of 10 athletes. I'd be a solid reserve. Like, so it's for the new guys, do everything you can get your hands on. Prove you are a viable source of entertainment performance. And then your second year, then start getting picky. Do well your second year, and then start telling them where you want to go. Sure. No, that makes yeah. that makes absolute sense. That is and, sound. Yeah, because you see a lot of guys, they come in, they have a really good like first year and introduction and then they go to everything under the sun for about two years and then they start breaking like well, it, it's addicting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's addicting because in America, in America, at least I won't speak for the other countries, but in America, at least there's no money in amateur strongman. Like <laughs> you're paying out of pocket. And then all of a sudden you do okay at a, at a decent show and some dude calls you up and says, Hey, I'm going to pay for you to come here. If you come in last, you get five hundred bucks. You're gonna pay me. You're gonna pay for my plane ticket. Yeah, hotels. Okay, cool. One at a minimum, you're making five hundred dollars. And if you've never made money from strongman, that's a lot of money. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially, especially if you come up grassroots like I did. Um, yeah. I jumped at every every financial opportunity I could get my hands on. It was great. I benefited from it. But there needs to be an exit strategy from that kind mm-hmm. of that that kind of season. You have to have. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is part of why, you know, it's the experience because experience like that and advice like that is going to be good for, you know, the next crop coming in and the next crop coming in and the guys coming up because I I want to see like all of Strongman just be hyper successful. I want to see it grow and grow and grow and grow and get to where it's mainstream, mainstream. Um, because when it comes on TV, nobody shuts it off. Yeah, you know, no, that's I, the I truth. Can't, I can't tell you how many times, you know, when I was working in the bar industry <laughs> and I'd come into a place to do a sales call and it's on, on TV, TV and everybody's sitting there watching and I'm just sitting there 
kind of nodding and the lady looks at that and looks at me and looks at me, looks at me. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, still, still, well, still to this day, I worked in the bar industry for a decade as well, just very different side of it than you. And I still sure. get pictures. People will take pictures of TVs and send them to me. Sure. Like, oh, you're, you're here. We, it's like, oh, okay. So it's still a thing. It definitely in bars. For some reason, I'll call it straw man. Just make sense. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, some things just line up perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and people love to watch it. And that's the thing. And then the guys that love it, that compete, that love the process, that love all that stuff, it's just a way for them to finally do what they love and, and make a living at it. Mm-hmm. And like, no, it is. And it's, it's neat that it's starting to move to that level. I remember Poundstone back in the day when he won the Arnold and he got the, the, the radio show or it was a serious show, I believe and, and stuff like that. And the big sponsorship that he got from the, uh, uh, from the soy company that made the soy that would go to all the rest of the supplement companies. Um, he was just like, look, the groundwork we're laying here is for the next level and the next level and the next level so that eventually one day that's all they'll have to do. They won't have to hold down a full-time 40, 50 hour a week job and then compete and make a little bit. It's, it's no longer a hobby that pays a little bit. It's going to be, it can be a sole source of income for people. And you find once that completely happens, the sport's just going to go and go and go because now your athletes are able to harder. just be athletes. Yep. They can try harder. So, and it's, right. it, it's cool that you say that, and I believe you, but I think what a lot of pros at my level are not doing, and it's something that I did, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it's, I'm not going to say it was perfect and I've emulated it perfectly, but I looked at the guys that always won, mm-hmm. and I figured out what they all had in common. You know, different body weights, different heights, different events, different places, but they all had something in common. They were either highly educated or successful entrepreneurs, with the exception of, uh, with the exception of Mateusz Kieliszkowski, which I don't think I think he just competes full time. But even Marias, who well, what about Marias? Marias owned a grocery store, a bodyguard school, and like a karate dojo in the middle mm-hmm. of his strongman stuff. Apparently, so if you look at these guys, and it's not something we're shown to appreciate in strongman because of what is appreciated by the masses. But if you look at the constant podiums, look at Novikov, highly educated, Brian Shaw, highly educated, excellent entrepreneur, Cooper, fucking doctor, excuse my language, Jerry Pritchett ran his dad's metal fab shop. Okay, I'm pretty sure he ran that metal fab shop, which means he was an entrepreneur at one point in time. So Mm -hmm. we start looking at all these guys. They're extremely intelligent. They know what to do with their money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that the amateurs and myself in the beginning don't look at like that guy just won his Arnold for the fourth time. It's like, okay, well, what's he done to stay here that long? How is like his car breaking down, not wiped his savings account? Right. Like how, how has he floated this long? And that was something I did and I paid attention and it's paid off massively for me. Um, that's awesome. But that's, but well, so it is, but it's business. No, it's just nobody. There aren't too many amateur athletes paying attention to how the guys at the top level are making money and sustaining this lifestyle. Okay. There's not many guys looking at it. And that was something that I did and it's paid off. And it would like, I would like it to be something that people ask Brian about, or I'd mm. like it to be something people look at Hooper and go, okay, like this guy's a doctor, like intelligence matters. Well, and, what, yeah. And, and work in the grind. I mean, look at Oberst. 
Oberst yeah. is a killing. Oberst is making a killing financially. I mean, between the and shirts. He does have titles. Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. sold himself. He executed business perfectly. Yep. And it's it's amazing because I think it should be coming out pretty soon. There's good. There's a new show he's going to be on that it, it's not out of the can yet, but it's 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 a big show and it's on HBO. Good for him. And it I, is going to be amazing to see him up there doing it. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. No, I'm <laughs> glad he's doing it. I'm glad he found success because I know he wasn't happy with how strong it went for him. I know he was not happy at all with how that went. And I've been really happy to see him almost step away from it completely and just start excelling in this other avenue. Oh, um, and he has. And he has. Yes. He, he really has. And it, it was fun. I mean, the last time the four of us got together, um, it, it was just amazing to see kind of what where he's managed to get to and the things that he's he's doing. I'm actually super proud of him. I mean, I was already proud of him anyway. I mean, because a strong man, and that's yeah. uh, just a just a laugh. So I met Mark Henry for the first time. That was cool. That's uh, he's neat. So we chatted briefly, and he's yeah. shaking his head. He looked kind of salty, like he looked legitimately kind of irritated. We were just talking about strong man and sure. i was waiting for whatever it was to come out that irritated him he's like man i just wish i could come back the money that's in this now they kind of shook his head he's like you know how much i made my best year in powerlifting i was like how much like thirty thousand dollars yeah. <laughs> i'm so sorry Mark. you were born 10 years too early you know the funny thing is i was at those contests God. I was at the table in 94 sitting next to them eating in the restaurant where him and Dr. Todd were going over his WWE contract. Oh, Jesus. The day he dunked 947 when they had the monolith for whatever reason they used it that year right up against the edge of the stage and the head judge was sitting down on the ground in front of him. And when he lifted it off and he just steps back and sets up, the head judge's eyes were just like this. He forgot to give him the squat signal. <laughs> and so Mark's like sitting there waiting for it. So Mark just does the squat and it was 947. Yeah. And Mark's, and back then you could wear a single ply suit. Yeah. And he was in a singlet. He, he was lifting the way we considered it raw. Raw <laughs> now. And he just dunks it like it was nothing. Puts it back yeah. in there and he gets three reds and he didn't, he didn't get the squat command because the head referee was sitting there going, oh, as he's so, doing it. I'm not going to say 30-year-old Bobby would do this, but 26-year-old Bobby would have messed that dude up behind the venue. <laughs> that guy would have caught an ass whooping. Like, he'd well, lived, but, like. <laughs> well, that was kind of a crazy contest, to be quite honest with you, because I don't know if you know who Beetle Lowe is, but – Beetle Lowe is a power lifter and he was in the 275s and he was the one guy that everybody wanted to see him and Bull Stewart go head to head against mm -hmm. because Bull was just destroying everybody in the 42s. I, I, I want to say he was like 10 or 11 time national and world champion. He squatted 865 Jeez. at 242, deadlifted 832, and he was oh. benching like mid, low to mid, like 520, 530 range.
dare I say, this was back when a world champion or a national championship in powerlifting was it was a legitimate national championship. You had to you had to move some guys to do that. Yeah, you had twenty or thirty guys in your weight class. Yeah. Speaking of powerlifting, sorry, go ahead. No, so Beetle Lowe was there. And he was in the 275s. And he was trying to talk Bull into coming up. Bull's like, no. But Beetle Low was out of prison in Pennsylvania. They let him oh. out of prison because I had, read about this. He had, he had, I think he had killed somebody and then went back. And the moment he got out, went and killed the people that ratted on him. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading about this on my life sentence or something like that, but they let him out. They had two armed guards with guns in the back, and then his handlers were guards as well. God, there. Only so Pennsylvania. Going after the official probably wouldn't have been a good idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> there were guys there with guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, but speaking of powerlifting, so yeah. uh, this is just your your name just did me a favor in this situation, but there was, I was leaving, I was leaving Ohio and I was going through security and I heard a name behind, I heard somebody say my name behind me, which in Ohio at that point in time, wasn't that, wasn't that it was normal. It was getting kind of old. Um, I stopped, and I looked and it was Andrew Herbert and I've been a fan of his for a long time, for a long time. Yeah. Getting, hearing, turn around and looking and it was him and he was just like, yeah, he said, Bobby. And I, he waved, waved back and said, how you doing, sir? And, He's like, I just want to say congratulations. And I said, I just want to say it's really cool that you even know my name at this point. Like, I just want to want to pass. He's like, yeah, well, and we he had done the uh, the world's strongest firefighter, and yep. he uh, he hadn't done as well as I think he expected himself to. But then he's like, yeah, you know, Nick's Nick's one of my really good friends, and he was helping me out. And I was like, no shit. I was like, Nick Best. All right. He's like, you were already pretty, you were already pretty cool, but since you know everybody. Um, <laughs> no, I was I was really I had hopes he was gonna he was gonna make the finals. I was watching his training. I, I had hopes he was going to make the finals, but I think the technical stuff just ate him up a little bit. Yeah. I, I got to talk to him a few times on the phone and explain, explain things to him. I, I would have preferred him just send me the video and I can like pick it apart, but it's his thing. He just, he, I guess he just didn't want to feel like he was bugging me, which he wasn't, but I, 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 I talked to him for like an hour and a half. No, he, he definitely said that a lot of his issues were the technical stuff. And yeah, I, I told him, I was like, you know, you, you come from a sport that you've excelled in, to say the least, and it's all based on straight lines. Yeah. And then you walk into Strongman where nothing moves the same direction at the same time. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, and I, I said that to him, and I was like, I, was, I thought he was just going to be strong enough to outwill everything for the most part. Right. Um, but he that was, that was kind of cool getting to meet him and then him saying he knew you and then him just knowing my name. I was like, all right, okay, I've that, that's I'm, I'm almost I'm almost cool. We're almost here. Yeah, no, you're there. You're cool, Bobby. You're very oh, yeah. cool. I've always thought you were cool. Always. Well, yeah. Keith, you also tried to choke me out while I was eating a burger at Worlds. That was I didn't know it was a butter knife. It wasn't a fork. And you oh, see, that's right. That's right. Well, so in, in my defense, I didn't know it was you, and it was all reaction. But I will say, yeah. next to my fork was my pocket, or next to my next to my butter knife was my pocket knife. Yeah. And well, I'm really I, glad I, you didn't I, do the butter yeah. the pocket. Knife. The good thing as, it wasn't a pocket as, knife. As am I, and I grabbed that butter knife, and right as I started doing it, I went, "I'm not somewhere. I don't work." But no, yeah, that was yeah. So you jumped, and I had a mouthful of food, which made it worse. 
Um, oh, but I grabbed that, the butter knife. And as, yeah. And as I, as I dug that butter knife into your hand, there was that thought of, I don't work in a place where I might have to do this anymore. Like <laughs> this is, this is, this is an overly aggressive, friendly hug from grandpa Nick. That's what this is right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all okay. this is right now. It's an overly yeah. aggressive hug from grandpa Nick. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. After your skin was peeling up. Well, at the time Nick was, well, at the time, Nick was working with uh, the same company. I am still Cerberus. Yeah. And this was the first time, really the first situation. Well, it was my first time meeting Nick there at Worlds. Mm-hmm. And we had met the day a couple days prior. So we were comfortable. Definitely made made ourselves friends. Yeah. But I text my sponsor. I'm like, I just stabbed Nick Best with a butter knife. <laughs> Do not fire me. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Him. I was like, Ken Wiki, I just stabbed Nick Best with a butter knife. And all I get back is, what the fuck happened? <laughs> that's it that's it he was already like oh what? my god well yeah like i i had so at the time i hadn't done anything to warrant keeping me outside of winning an amateur world championship and then coming in ninth at the arnold so i really had nothing to argue with and like sending that text message i'm like up oh, that's that's it this was a short oh. road that's gonna tell giants bobby stabs people god that's it this is what we're going to do. We're going to end this podcast on yeah. Bobby nearly killed Nick and lost his job, but somehow <laughs> he made it, kept his job. Yeah, HR sucks. It's the only way. Bobby, Nick has a specific set of words that he always likes to say to end every video, and I like okay. to end these podcasts with them. But before... Uh, before we get into it, do you know what those words are? I don't. All right. Well, th- this is what it is. For everyone out there listening, please understand. We we like to put out positivity. We like people to understand. Nick, hit him with them words. All right. Well, first, before I hit the words, Bobby, thank you so much. It's been an awesome interview. I, I wish we had better internet connections today. <laughs> Same. But I'm sorry, Nick. Let's, let, let's do this again. Let's do this again. Yeah, Nick, I'd love to, I'd love to do this again as soon as we can get the the, the computer situation figured out. And, yeah, let's do well, it. if Absolutely. you have a laptop with a computer, we can uh, you know say everything can be done through email. But if you uh, if you just get a new phone, you, you, you definitely. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm actually moving out of my apartment as is. It's basically virtually empty behind us yeah. right now. So mm-hmm. let me get that taken care of, and then. Yeah, get the Hilton head to judge and then get out the brines of the first one. Okay. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> right on, yeah. Bobby. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And everyone, train hard, train smart, and be the best you can be. That's another episode. Right.